Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day. Best one right there. Sorry, Nate. You're it. <laughs> Love you, Dad. Also, happy June, June, Juneteenth. This is the second year that Juneteenth has been a national holiday. Uh, Juneteenth, if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's uh, after, all the sla- after the Emancipation, Emancip- yeah. Emancipation Proclamation. There you go. It was two years before all black slaves were actually finally free. And that happened on June 19th. And that's why we commemorate this day as well. We're in a series right now called Peopling. It's an issue so significant to our spiritual life, I made up a word for it. Peopling. Uh, the first week, we, my wife and I spoke together and we, we shared that others matter and our spiritual development. Other people are not irrelevant. Your Christian life is not just about you and God. It's about us and God. Last week, my dad talked about uh, marriage and sexual intimacy. And this week, I'm going to talk a little bit about dealing with difficult people. I have to just kind of wonder, why is it that I am stuck with... Maybe it's because I am one. I don't know. Uh, We need God's solution to countering the crazy makers in our life, don't we? Anybody know somebody a little crazy? Makes makes your life a little crazy? That's a difficult person. We need God's wisdom to helping us deal with those difficult people. I want to help you today walk through the maze of personalities. And some of us today aren't just going to learn how to deal with difficult people. We may realize that we are one. And we need to repent of being a difficult person sometimes as well. You know, one of my guilty pleasures in life is watching Judge Judy. <laughs> I think she's a hoot. And like, because, like, you know, there's difficult people in my life sometimes. Like people on the road make my life difficult. They make my drive more difficult because, you know, everyone's an idiot on the road except me. <laughs> so they drive me nuts. And sometimes I wish... I could go off on some of those people the way Judge Judy does. Stop talking, you know. Listen to me. So I feel like I can, you know, I would would never do that. I hope I would never do that. But, you know, by watching Judge Judy, I can live vicariously. But boy, boy, does, does Judge Judy have some difficult people on her show sometimes or what? I just wonder what it would be like. Like, what would happen if Judge Judy had to deal with herself? Can you imagine that? What if, what if Judge Judy sued Judge Judy in the court of Judge Judy? I wonder. I wonder what that would be like. Hmm. Shineland versus Shineland, case 604. Thank you, Judge. Parties have been sworn in. Miss Shineland, it says here that you're suing Miss Shineland in the amount of $1,100. Yes, can you get to the point already? Miss Shineland, it says here that Miss Shineland owes you $1,100 for damages. Damages to what? My property. Your property. My property! Miss Shineland claims she did nothing wrong. Do you know how old I am? Get to the point. Do you know how old I am? Do you know that every second of my life is precious? Yes, my Anna. Then don't waste your breath lying to me. Oh, cut the mushugana. Can you imagine Judge Judy 
dealing with Judge Judy. <laughs> so, so however difficult the people are in your life, just, just praise the Lord. You don't have to deal with Judith Scheinland. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a Judge Judy in your life. Maybe you're married to someone that's difficult. Maybe you have a coworker that's difficult. Maybe you have family members that are difficult, a classmate, a boss, a teacher that's difficult. I want to help you deal with the crazies in your life. I want to help you navigate the maze of personalities today. There's nothing that the enemy of our, our, of our souls attacks more than relationships. God made us to be relational. We're made that way. Other people matter in our spiritual development. So why wouldn't the devil try to attack it? And he does. You know, sometimes I think Jesus isn't the only person that has missionaries. I think the devil has missionaries. And he sends some missionaries right into my life to make it crazy. But God can use even that. God can use the devil's missionaries to strengthen me and to refine me into who, who he wants me to be. I want to just describe a few difficult people that I've encountered before in my life. Maybe you've encountered some of these difficult people. So, so here, here's a list of, of some difficult people I've encountered or have been. Just some observations. There's the hammer. Anyone ever met somebody that would, you would call the hammer? These are, these are aggressive, aggressive, harsh, hostile people. You're wrong. I'm right. That's the way it is. End of conversation. They like to get their way by intimidating. They will try to, to intimidate you into submission. And then there's the megaphone. These people talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. They will get you into submission by not shutting up. I don't even want to do what you're saying, but I'll do it just to make you be quiet. Enough. That's the megaphone. And then there's the bubble buster. Have you ever met the bubble buster? They just deflate everything. Like, my, my kid scored a gold in soccer. Yeah, but he's a terrible athlete. It's the bubble buster, just a downer on everything. Have you met someone like that? The bubble buster. Or have you met a volcano? They build up, they build up, and then they just spew hot lava over everything, harsh, critical, and they just singe personalities, they singe conversations, and they just they burn everything around them with hot lava. Or a space cadet can be a difficult person. Have you ever met a space cadet? They live in their own world, and they don't know it. <laughs> you can try to talk to them. You walk up to them and talk to them, but it doesn't do much good because nobody's home. <laughs> now, 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 now listen to me. I want you to think real hard. If you're not thinking of somebody right now that's a space cadet, it's possible, nay, likely, <laughs> You may be. I don't need to say that. Or there's the clam. The clam can be a difficult person. They get their way by manipulating you with the mute button. They keep everything quiet. They won't talk. They may be mad at you, but you'll never know it until it's too late. They're great at the silent treatment. An another difficult person, cat lovers. <laughs> I not really, not really. I'm just... It's a joke. Oh, don't throw tomatoes at me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just a joke. But, but how about the nitpicker? Have you met a difficult person that's the nitpicker? They just pick, 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 pick. They're, they're unreasonably perfectionists. 
Nothing's ever okay. They just, every little thing, it's like, it's like the nitpicker slash pit bull. They find the littlest thing and they, they grab a hold of it and they just won't let go. They're highly critical pointing out mistakes. They just won't let off. Or, or the crybaby can be a difficult person. Everything's bad. The crybaby is a chronic complainer. They won't stop. If they don't get their way, they take it personal. And you know that they took it personal because they're... It's the crybaby. They manipulate it by... They try to manipulate you by pouting. They'll pout and they'll pout. It's not just an emotional fit. It's manipulation. They do it to control. They pout in order to control things. It's how, something they've learned. A very toxic, difficult person is the user. Have you met someone you would call a user? These are toxic people. Someone, and they use guilt to get what they want. Or one of my favorites, or I guess least favorite, is the garbage collector. Have you met a difficult person that's a garbage collector? They collect garbage. They collect offenses. Something bad happens and they just, they hang on to it. And they, they say, oh, that's garbage. But they take it and they collect the garbage until... It's time to unload. <laughs> Remember that time in 1987 you had the last pizza pizza? <laughs> you got to forgive as you go, church. How do we deal with these people? Does anybody know a difficult person? Have I, have I splattered the seeds enough? You know a difficult person? Or maybe you're feeling attacked right now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to attack you. Maybe, maybe you are the difficult person. Maybe you just discovered it. How do we deal with these people? The good news is we're not the first people to ask this question. How do we deal with difficult people? Jesus had a lot of difficult people, and his disciples taught us in the Bible. The Bible gives us answers to how we can deal with difficult people. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish Ignorant arguments that only start fights. Why didn't we preach about this early 2020? I wish we had. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only, only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. There you go. How do you deal with difficult people? The Bible tells us, be patient. We are to be patient with these space cadets, nitpickers. To deal with someone that Jesus loves. Think about the people Jesus loves, everybody. To deal with the people Jesus loves, we're bound to encounter some, if not all of them, who are broken. Everybody is broken. Everybody that Jesus loves is broken. That's why he loved them enough to die for them. Including us. So if you're broken, Symptoms are going to come out sometimes that will make you and everyone else around you a difficult person at one point or another. We're going to have conflict when we encounter difficult people. Anybody enjoy conflict? I hope not. Like No one really enjoys it. But if we're going to deal with conflict, it's important that we deal with conflict just like Jesus did. In John chapter 1, verse 14, 
the Apostle John described uh, Jesus, and he described him like this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of, read it with me, grace and truth. If we're going to deal with conflict, we need to deal with conflict like Jesus did. With grace and truth. He was, I, just, I was about to say Jesus was full of it. <laughs> and I realized how that could be misunderstood. He was, he was full of that. He was full of grace and truth, according to the Bible. Why are people difficult? Because we're in a fallen world, and we can all be difficult. There's some people in the world that are all truth. They're all the way truth. Nobody likes to be around those people. I mean, it's easy to admire them for a few minutes because, you know, they have, they have principle. But they're, they're, they can have all truth at the expense of being kind and loving to someone. And then there's other people that are all grace. Everybody likes to be around somebody that's all full of grace. But if you're only filled with grace, you probably won't actually accomplish anything. You're, you're going to be nice. You're going to be really nice, but we can't walk around in life with only grace. We need to be, like Jesus, full of truth and full of grace. Every other religion is either is one of those. Gods of other religion, they, they dish out truth at the expense of grace, or they distribute grace at the expense of truth. Christianity is unique in this. Jesus came full of both of them. Truth and justice for us means an eternity in hell. That's, that's truth and justice. We deserve an eternity in hell. So if we get what we deserve, it's not going to go very well for us. God is full of truth. But God is also full of grace. Grace means we serve a God who's going to hug us and hold us and love us like a child that we are. God is full of grace and truth. You can't separate the two and still be Christ-like. So in handling conflict, I'd like to help us understand this a little bit. I want to talk about ways that we can handle conflict. Here are five. I have two sermons today. I'm going to end one. Don't worry. I won't keep you long. But I have two lists of five. The first is a list of five choices we have when it comes to conflict. Five choices we have when it comes to conflict. The first one is low truth, low grace. So if this is like, you get it? Math class, remember? Graph, okay. So if you have low, gra low grace, low truth, you'd be down here and these are the avoiders. If you have... How do you deal with conflict? Maybe you are someone that avoids conflict. This is a lot of people. A lot of people prefer to avoid conflict. Uh, they just avoid it altogether. You see, conflict is not a dirty word. We have to remember conflict is not a dirty word. If there was not conflict, nothing happens. If I didn't have a little conflict in my life, my kids would run around ruining, ruling my house. So I'm going to have some conflict. 
No, you, you will brush your teeth. That's, that's conflict. We have to have some sort of conflict in order to um, have anything happen. There has to be some truth. So conflict isn't a dirty word. And some people prefer to avoid the conflict altogether, just completely avoid it. These people that, that avoid conflict, they flee. They, they abandon, they, they ignore, they withdraw. But because of an absence of truth, these people may err in the side of having an absent, they may absently lie, you know. You can be a silent liar. You ever heard that phrase? You can, you can be a silent liar. The, the, the avoiders say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Well, the Bible says in James 4, 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So you can be a silent liar. I'm not doing anything. I, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just not doing anything. That counts. Not doing anything can be Sin. Avoiding necessary conflict. And all, not all conflict is necessary. But avoiding necessary conflict will always result in more conflict. Perhaps even internal conflict. But if, if the conflict needs to happen, if you just avoid it, you're going to have more of it. So when is avoiding necessary? Avoiding is God honoring when and only when the relationship and the issue don't matter. If the person doesn't matter and the issue doesn't matter, it's okay to avoid it. Road rage is a good example of when to avoid. I don't need to have a good relationship with a person that is an idiot on the road. I, like, I'm probably not going to see him again. Like, If I have a chance to have a talk with him, I want to have a good relationship. But my relationship with bad driver is not super important to me. And my relation, and the issue of how slow that guy's going is not really that important. So the relationship and the issue don't matter. So I can just avoid it. I can just straight up avoid it. Here's the second choice we have to deal with conflict. We could choose to compete. By the way, have you ever seen a marker this huge before? Look at that thing. Special for today. It's like a three inch wide. Compete. These people have low grace, but lots of truth. These people want to win at all costs. I'm right, you're wrong. This is least effective in dealing with relationships. Yet it's important that we all have a degree of competing in us so we can stand up to do the right thing when it's necessary. When is this God-honoring? This is only God-honoring when you're God-ordained value, when your God, your biblical principle, has to win at all costs, and you've tried everything else. It's the last resort. This can be a God-honoring situation. This can be the God-honoring way of dealing with conflict, but only once you've tried everything else and nothing else works, and then God's way has to win. Here's the third choice we have, third choice in dealing with conflict. It's down here, a lot of grace, low truth. I'm going to write it like this, accommodate. Did what I could. I, you tried writing with a three-inch wide marker. <laughs> accommodate. This is agreeing, uh, appeasing, and making a sacrifice. Sacrificial giving 
Some of you are sacrificial givers. You like to hang out right here. You like to accommodate. Oh, sure, I'll, I'll take that. Oh, I don't mind. And, and you pick it up. What a great gift that is to the body of Christ and the family around you. I love sacrificers, but it doesn't take much before a sacrificer can turn into a victim. Don't go there. When is this God-honoring? Accommodating is God-honoring when your God-honoring value, I'm sorry, when you can't press the truth, when you can't press the truth without losing the relationship and, uh, and the truth doesn't matter as much. That's when that can be God-honoring. There's a fourth choice that we have in dealing with conflict, and this is right here in the middle. I'm going to write it. It says compromise. Compromise. I was taught when I watched Sesame Street that compromise is a great idea. It's wonderful. Everybody wins. But do you know what else? Everybody loses. Everybody wins a little. Everybody loses a little. I'll compromise. Compromising is bargaining, adjusting, bending, being flexible. And it may be good to do compromising. It's probably best, actually, when you're dealing with attention rather than a problem to solve. But the problem with compromise and why it's not the best, it's not the, the, the way Jesus does things, is, is if you compromise, you still may have an unresolved issue that may go on for decades. So it's not best. I want to tell you a quick story here. Maybe you have conflict in your house. Just imagine having a conflict in your house with whether or not the window should be open. I want the window open. I want the window closed. Anybody ever thought about whether the window should be open or closed? Just imagine a husband and a wife arguing about, the, I want the window open. I want the window closed. I want the window open. I want the window closed. <laughs> and then there's a conflict. The avoiders, the avoiders deal with this by just living life miserable, because they're never going to bring it up. They're just going to deal with whatever the person wanted to do. The competitors, the people that like to live here, they, they gone went and put a lock on the door, on the window. Like, that's how it's going to be. You're not going to move my, door, my window. The accommodators will just suck it up and, and deal with it, and they'll just be okay with the window being however it is until they're not. And they have, may develop a chip on their shoulder. The compromisers, if you've got a family full of compromisers in your house and you're arguing over whether the window should be open or closed, you're going to have a whole family full of uncomfortable people. Nobody's going to be happy. Everyone's going to be just a little uncomfortable. If only there was a better way. I'm so glad you asked. I'll tell you in a minute. What if the window wasn't the important thing. If we go on in our lives arguing over and over again about the window being opened and the window being closed, there is not a resolution. If the, if the argument is the window should be open, no, the window should be closed, the window should be open, the window should be closed, nobody can win. Only one person could win, I guess. Somebody's losing. There is a higher and better option. What if we prioritized grace? We prioritized the relationship. What, and we prioritized truth. And we lived like Jesus and we were filled with truth and grace. The trick here of doing this is we separate the position from the interest. It's not window open, window closed. Forget about the window. 
Why do you want the window open? Well, I'm hot. Okay, why do you want the window closed? Well, I'm cold. Well, forget about the window. One of you gets a blanket, the other gets a fan. We're done. <laughs> there can be a higher and better solution when two people walk like God did, full of truth and grace. The best way is collaborating. That says collaborate. It's hard to write. The best way is always collaborating. When is this the God-honoring solution? Always. Always start here. Always try to value truth and grace in dealing with conflict. Collaboration occurs when we believe that together we can achieve a higher and better solution than either of us could have done on our own. And it only happens when we humble ourselves enough to separate what we're interested in from the position that we have. Am I making sense? This is conflict management that's taught in secular circles. You may have heard this in business. You may have heard this in psychology. You may have heard this in, in communication classes. But where'd they get it? This is a biblical principle. This is living in grace and truth. They would present it a little differently. But Ephesians chapter 4 says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. See, it takes great humility to value a person and the issue at the same time. It takes a great deal of humility. The Bible continues, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I love that the Bible says that I have to bear with you. Like, like, what's that mean? That implies that some of you are, like, I need to bear with you. You don't bear with somebody that's easy to get along with. You enjoy being with them. Well, sometimes I'm going to have to bear with you, and you're going to have to bear with me. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Jump down to verse 15. Instead of, instead, speaking the truth in love. Hmm? What? Speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love. Collaborating is speaking the truth in love. It's full of truth and grace at the same time, just like Jesus. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. We are like Christ when we're able to speak the truth in love. We need to be full of both of them. We are to be like Jesus. If you're a Christian, that means you want to be Christ-like. You want to be like Jesus. Jesus was full of truth and grace, so that means you also need to be full of truth and grace. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're full of it. Just tell them, type it in the chat, you're full of it. That's not always possible because the world is broken. I hope I can always value truth and grace at the same time and be full of it. But it's not always possible because I'm broken and so are the people I deal with. We're all broken. The Bible says, Romans 3, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all broken. 
The people you work with are broken. The people you go to school with are broken. Your boss is broken. Your teachers are broken. You're married to somebody that's broken. You're dating someone that's broken. It's just how it is because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because there's broken, difficult people, you're going to have to deal with them. So how do we do that? Full of grace and truth. And here we go. I want to share today five steps to dealing with difficult people. Here are five steps in dealing with difficult people. In particular, like subtitle, the way Jesus did. Five steps to dealing with difficult people the way Jesus did. Number one, realize you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. Jesus knew he couldn't please everyone. Jesus said, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. I'm just going to please God, Jesus said. He wasn't going to allow the crazies of the world to sway him. Look, church, we got to do what we can do. We want, I mean, be kind, be loving, be compassionate. But at the end of the day, there's only one person you need to please, and that's God. Realize you can't please everyone. Here's the, the second step to dealing with difficult people. Number two, refuse to play the game. Refuse to play the game. Jesus had all kinds of difficult people around him, but he did not play the game. John 2 says, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. Well, he, he had difficult people. You think the people you deal with are difficult. Jesus had some real boogers. Even on his team, he had some difficult people. One of them betrayed him, and he knew it. But Jesus didn't allow other people to get to him. He was good at that. Like, yeah. Some of us are on a campaign to change the world with our Facebook comments. Jesus didn't need to comment on the crazy, the crazy makers of his Facebook feed. He didn't need to do it. Jesus didn't allow the Roman news network, RNN. He didn't allow the Romans news network to get him riled up and start being belligerent to everyone around him. He didn't let the crazy get to him. He didn't play the game. And you can do that too. Just don't let them get to you. If you know what you're called to do, do it. If you know how you're called to live, live it. You don't need to let the crazy makers make crazy in you. I don't have to play the game. Like, like for me to be right, the person I'm arguing with doesn't have to know it. You hear what I'm saying? I can just, I don't have to play the game. I can just walk away and be like, okay. And I can still know I'm right. He doesn't have to admit it. I can still be right and he'd be wrong without, okay, you get what I'm saying. Here's the third step to dealing with difficult people. Rise above it. Rise above the crazy. Rise above it. The Bible says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Where do eagles fly? Over it. They fly over it. We can fly like an eagle above the crazy making. Too often we sink into it. We get some crazy around us and we go, ooh. It's like, there's a, it's, it's like there's, a, there's a power that comes with feeling angry. It's not good power. There's, it's like Star Wars. Trust your feelings, Luke. There's, there, like there's power in feeling angry. 
But it's not godly power. So often we, we will sink into it and play the game, and, and, and instead of rising above it, we sink into it. What do, you, what do you do when somebody offends you? Do you know what I do when somebody offends me? My inclination, and maybe you have this inclination as well, I'm inclined to say, did you hear what Pastor Frank did to me? Can you believe it? And you'd say, no. And all of a sudden, you're sucked into my crazy. And you're offended at him, even though, even though you have no reason to be offended at him. That's the crazy cycle. That's secondhand offense. Oh. That's gossip is what that is. And if you're not careful, you'll get neck deep in it. The Bible says this. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Mm. It sinks down into the inmost parts. And all of a sudden, my offense becomes your offense. What do you have to be offended for? Don't, don't pick up an offense from somebody else. None of that. Especially not in the church. We don't play those, those, by those rules. It's not fair. It's gossip. It's a sin. And those who listen allow sin. Don't allow sin to be near you. Proverbs 26 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Duh. And without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Somehow, that second part does not seem as obvious as the first part. But it's true. Without a gossip, the quarrel dies down. Don't allow gossip sin to be around you. Instead, rise above it. Rise above it. Here's the fourth step to dealing with difficult people. Number four, never retaliate. Never retaliate. 1 Peter 3, 9, Jesus says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. That's really easy. Okay, I, I, mean, I mean, it's a little challenge, but all right. Do not repay evil for evil. I got you, Jesus. Sounds nice so far. On the contrary, why does there have to be like a flip? Like, he could have just stopped, right? But it's, it's not just don't repay evil with evil. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So don't retaliate. This verse is really, really easy to read. Really, really hard to do. Never retaliate. This is how Jesus lived. Think, think of the situations Jesus had in the Gospels. He had lots of reasons to want, he, he was attacked a lot, and he had plenty of reasons to retaliate. How could he retaliate? Like, he could have do, done anything. He's like, burn them up. That's right. He could have turned them all to dogs. <laughs> Y'all dogs. Or worse, cats. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But he could have. He could have. He could have, and he had reason to. And if you were me were Jesus, we probably would have. Dummy. Meow. Like. But instead, not only did he not retaliate, he died for him. And he died for us. He showed great love. Can we have his attitude in dealing with people? You don't need to retaliate. Here's the fifth step in dealing with difficult people. Release them. 
release them. Don't carry on with bitterness and hurt from difficult people. Give them to God. Matthew 5.44 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Have you ever prayed for someone you're mad at? You don't stay mad at them, do you? It's really hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying for. Very difficult. See, when I pray for people, when I pray for the person who's been difficult to me, something starts to change in me. I start to see them differently. I start to see them the way God sees them. My mom has a story that she shared with me, and she said she was, a while ago, she was at a pharmacy. She went to go pick up her prescription. And like, have, you, have you ever been, been to the doctor and then go to the pharmacy and they have their, your medicine ready? Like, this doesn't happen, right? That's just how it is. So my mom was there, and she was waiting for her prescription to be filled. And this lady came in and said, where's my prescription? She's pulling a Judge Judy. Judge Judy walked in. Where's my prescription? I need it now. And she went on and on, belligerent. And the pharmacist had to come out and say, we're working as fast as we can, which, which isn't true because the pharmacist had to come out. They're no longer working fast anymore because they have to deal with this belligerent Judge Judy. So the pharmacist, had, pharmacist came out, no, no, calm down, calm down. We're working as fast as we can. We're going to get your prescription as quick as we can. We know you need it. And this woman kept yelling and screaming. Some people even left. They felt uncomfortable to be there. My mom just sat there, and she was starting to feel uncomfortable too. Like, goodness, if I say something, she's going to bite my head off. So the woman, the pharmacist finally got the woman calmed down just enough to sit down in the only remaining chair next to my mom. And when, you know, you think that lady calmed down? No, it was just enough for her to sit down. She sat down and kept going. At that point, I'd start to feel bad feelings. I'd start to be like, look, you were hurting before. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> I'd want to tell him off the way Judge Judy would. Listen to me. Listen to me. But my mom separated the issue from the interest. My mom humbled herself. And she just looked at the woman, separated the issue from the rudeness, and she looked at the woman and said, wow, you really must be hurting. And that woman immediately melted, changed her whole tune, and said, you don't know. You don't know the half of it. And my mom learned the other half of it. And it ended with my mom praying for her. Amen. How do you deal with difficult people? Like Jesus would. Would you stand with me? When someone is in pain, we get in pain because of a wound, because of a hurt, because of an offense. When someone's in pain, their reality becomes distorted. They start to look through a lens that's a different shade. They start to see things differently. When you're hurt, wounded, or offended, you will start to see the world inaccurately. 
It's not the reality. It's just a, it's a tinted, it's a, it's a wound-tinted reality. And difficult people are often difficult because of their own pain. So how do you deal with difficult people? You walk in humility, you walk in forgiveness, and you live in freedom. Let's surrender to God all that we are today. Lord, I pray that you would use us however you see fit. Lord, put us in situations with the difficult people because we know that difficult people are the ones you love. Give us the difficult people that you've called us to share your love with. Lord, we surrender all to you this morning. Lord, we love you and we honor you. Amen.